Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Hello everyone and welcome back to season four of 20 Not Something. Apologies that it's been a little while since you last heard from me. Um, Work has been pretty hectic and the pub has also been cooling, I can't lie. However, I am back with some absolutely brilliant guests that are hopefully going to entertain, encourage and ultimately excite you in whatever it is that you're doing this summer. I'm actually recording this little snippet on the first birthday of 20 Not Something. Um, I can't believe that we've been around for a whole year, but I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has listened or messaged or got involved and commented and shared the content. It's such a privilege to be able to do this and it wouldn't exist without your continued support. So yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Today I am joined by mental health advocate, fellow podcaster and all-round wonderful human being, Taylor James. Taylor's 20s were an amalgamation of trying to do the right thing while never truly feeling right in the things he was doing. He worked various jobs, starting out as a waiter before picking up a job as a customer service advisor. From there, he transitioned over to an IT manager role, but never really felt fulfilled by his work and as a result didn't follow the conventional career path so many of his peers were taking at the time. The difficulty to pin down what it was he actually wanted to do, combined with complications with his mum and personal life, led to Taylor feeling quite lost for the majority of his 20s. Watching friends progress up different careers, landing a partner and starting a family, he always got caught up in what he should be doing, instead of focusing on what he really wanted. Travelling helped Taylor to gain some perspective and get out of his comfort zone. From America to Thailand and Bali, it was a chance to escape and figure out what was important. He took some time to work on himself and as a result entered his 30s a more positive and driven person. Fast forward a few years and Taylor is now a successful podcaster hosting the brilliant Waffle Shop podcast chatting all things mental health. Having interviewed some big names including Scarlett Mofa and Altoria and ranking in the top 10 podcasts for mental health, it just goes to show that sometimes it takes time to find out what we really want. In Taylor's words, it's only now I've turned 30 and done so much work on myself that I feel happy and settled knowing that it's okay not to want what the world tells us we should have. Taylor, it is such a joy to have you here. You light up the room without even being in it. Welcome to 20 Not Something. I need to say this before we start. That has put the biggest smile on my face. I feel like if for whatever reason, can you read that out at my funeral? That's so morbid, but sure. (laughs) You just don't know, do you? It's it's a wild world in it. But no, honestly, it is an absolute pleasure. I'm a huge fan of what you do. And yeah, I really appreciate having a chat. Oh, I'm I'm so happy you could be here. Um, I will kick things off, as you know, with the same question that I ask absolutely everyone. And that is, when you were looking down the barrel of your 20s decade, can you remember what the one thing you wanted the most was? I think it was, and this is going to sound so kind of cheesy, but just to be free. Like I've always kind of felt like I didn't quite fit in. I mean, I've always had friends. I've always, you know, done really fun things and had incredible opportunities, but I'd never felt like 
it was what I wanted. And now looking back at my 20s, I feel like not that it was a lot of wasted time because, you know, I've learned so much and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. But yeah, I kind of, I think the one thing I wanted was just to kind of properly be myself and have that like freedom, mm. which I don't think now looking back, especially, I didn't really have. Mm. Freedom in the sense of like doing what you wanted or freedom from like exterior factors? What um, Kind of like to give you like a little bit of a history because I was, um, my mum and dad kind of got divorced around the time I started like my GCSEs. Mm. So at that time, as well as like the pressure of like my exams and stuff, like I kind of took this role of like the man of the house. So I, you know, a lot of kind of like my wages and stuff like that were going into the family home. Like, Mm. you know, I was kind of like the main earner. So then, you know, at that time when people were like going out and like meeting people and like, you know, they're now like, they're now husbands, they're now wives. Um, I didn't really have that. And I've always kind of, held myself back in a way because I always had felt like this kind of responsibility that I kind of already had the family home mm. without having the family home if that makes sense yeah that like it kind of so like they, they've kind of like got the choice of doing that things where I felt like I didn't I was kind of in this situation and then it took a while for me to like properly like open up and talk about this kind of stuff mm. because I just felt like that's what I did. That's what I had to do. And I kind of just like got on and did it. Um, but that's why I, I'm going to say, but this is why I love your whole kind of idea and kind of structure of your podcast, because it really makes you think about those kind of really important years of your life. Mm. And the irony of it, I think, like for you sort of reminiscing on it now, you realise so much, whereas at the time you don't. And like for me living through them at the moment and, hearing all of these stories from people and they reflect on it so beautifully and I'm just like oh god I really hope that I can like take that reflection and have it now do you know what I mean so I can appreciate everything that is happening um it is and I think especially when like like your 20s I mean I we were kind of like hit around it's gonna make it sound like really old but like before like the whole social media side of things like I don't think I got like I don't think I got Facebook until I was 20. Whereas now people like, like kids have it now. And I just feel like I'm so kind of grateful that I was just before that of like, Mm. you know, like going out, experiencing things and not kind of like living online. I don't know. I was going off on a bit of a tangent then, but it kind of, it. No, definitely. Think again. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You're incredibly honest as well about, about your journey and especially in mental health. Um, do you remember a time in your 20s when you felt that begin to, you know, become a struggle um, in terms of like the anxiety really that was question. prevalent? <laughs> <laughs> because I used to always revert back to like my, my mental health journey, if you like, when everything kind of happened with my mom. But now doing all this lot of like processing and like healing and stuff like that, I'm, I've now kind of put a lot of stuff to bed, but now I'm kind of going back further. Mm. And this is why, you know, chats like this are so incredibly important, especially when it comes to being honest, especially around mental health, because I feel like there was an underlying anxiety and I'd probably go as far as a depression from such a younger age, because 
I felt I felt lost. I didn't want what everyone else wanted. You know, I was like watching like my lad mates like go out at the weekend and just like, you know, be typical like lads. And I was never quite like that. Then I had like my mates who were girls and they were going out doing their thing. And like, it was like, okay, well, I don't kind of fit in here either. And mm. so, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly lucky to have the friends that I have, but I never kind of felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Mm. And it's only, it's only been literally within the last couple of probably I'd probably say the last month that I'm coming to this kind of realization that I'm like, okay, well, you know, everything does happen for a reason. You know, everything is like a bit of a lesson. And I used to laugh because especially in my twenties, I used to look at like older people or even like some of like, like my younger kind of relatives and be like, oh, they're 30. They've got their shit together. They've got everything like sorted. Then I hit 30 and I was like, they didn't. Like they didn't. <laughs> they, they lied. Wing, yeah, they were just winging it as much as we all are. Like, but it just, you know, I, I think especially like if anyone takes anything away from this, and it's, you know, there's no kind of rule book. There's no set time frame where you need to do anything. As much as kind of like social media and you know your peers and so on that like tell you like oh you know we've all had that kind of like that auntie or the nan saying like oh you're next you know at a Mm. wedding or when someone's had a baby and it's just like go at your own pace there is no right way of doing things there's no wrong way of doing it but I can't stress after kind of about 10 years of kind of not being happy like that is more important than any kind of relationship any Mm. kind of job any kind of you know anything that kind of makes you feel anxious or nervous or not quite happy or even people, like then, you know, you've got that power. You have every right to change your like kind of surroundings. Mm. You mentioned in your note to me that a lot of, you know, the highs and the lows of your 20s stemmed as a result of what your mum was going through. And I don't know whether you would be comfortable touching on that or like speaking about it a little bit. Um, but what was that like to go through, especially in your 20s when you're already trying to juggle so much? It was tough like incredibly tough. I mean, it didn't happen until I was 27, but I was finally in a stage where I was like, do you know what? Like I'm thinking about like, like mortgages, you know, like doing like the grown up thing. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, unfortunately my mom had a slip disc and she had it operated on, which then unfortunately went, went wrong. Um, Which she's now, which led to like, comas and intensive care you know them saying things to me like brain damage and you know all the lovely things that no one ever actually wants to hear and Mm. I I think about this question a lot and I feel like at some point we've all kind of said it or we've all kind of thought it you know like when you're watching like casualty or something on tv like oh god if I'm ever in that position like pull the plug or you know like that kind of thing until you're in that situation or being asked that kind of question, like I can't tell you how heartbreaking like it actually is. Um, I mean, luckily for us, like our mom is, she's still here. She's still fighting. Like I've been to see her this morning. Like she's doing phenomenal. Like she's in a rehabilitation center now, like requires like 24 hour care, but like, she's still like, she's still my mom. She's still got like a terrible potty mouth on her and (laughs) stuff like that. So, you know, we're incredibly lucky that, you know, she is still with us, but, this is why it's so important to kind of tell that story Mm. because that situation could have broke all of us, but I want it to be that, you know, anyone who listens to it, that, you know, 
situations like that will happen. You know, life is incredibly tough, but it's not the be all and end all. Like, you know, there are better days coming. And I know it sounds so cheesy to say, but I can sit here now looking back at that, especially the last few years of my 20s where I didn't want to be here. Like, I, you know, I felt completely lot more lost than I'd ever, ever felt. Whereas now I sit here a completely different person. Mm. It's, and it's so important to kind of look at, back at just how far you have come because I think it makes you appreciate the view that you have now. Absolutely. And I'm so sorry you had to go through that. I can't imagine what that must have been like, but I guess it does oh, give you, you <laughs> it does give you that perspective. And yeah. that is one thing that sometimes I know so many people, including myself, just need a bit of it. You know, you can get so worked yeah. up over the smallest of things and it's like, no, hang on. I have my health. I have my family. I have my friends. Like yeah. the basis of my life is fucking great. I don't yeah. need the promotion right now i don't need you know a thousand downloads (laughs) this is what i mean because it's like i wouldn't have had i would not be sat here talking to you right now if that hadn't have happened to my mom Mm. so i'm a big believer in things happening for a reason like you know if i hadn't have been like the man of the house and had like the like the incredible relationship that i have with my sister and stuff like that when that happened with my mom I wouldn't have known how to run a house. Like I was then like kind of mm. practically, I mean, it was, I took on the responsibility of my younger sister, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm. So it was like, I felt like everything was kind of leading up until that point. And all those things that I used to feel were holding me back, including myself, have now actually given me a brand new career. Like all these things that I've like, now I can sit back and say like, I'm genuinely happy like I have got a dream job. I've got, I get paid to do something that I genuinely love. And I know it's not about like the job and it doesn't feel like work. I'm doing something that I genuinely love. And I mm. used to look at all my friends, like, you know, who had been to university and, you know, have got these big careers and this, that, and the other. I feel like, I wish I knew what I wanted to do. You know, I used to go to like, um, like the counsellors and be like, another, um, Careers, career guidance that's, that's people. people yeah, yeah. Mm. and they used to used to take like the quiz after quiz after quiz and I always felt like I don't want to do that yeah I don't want to do it. and then it took until like the last few years of my 20s and turning 30 to realize like no if you want something like you're in control of it like you 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 can go and make yourself incredibly happy mm. and yeah, it, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah, it's a scary, scary feeling though, especially, I mean, you raised it in your note, you know, you were looking at all of your friends going off and doing, you know, having these careers and especially in the corporate world, it's very structured, you know, you hit that, yeah. you hit that salary, you, hit, you go up, you go up. And um, I don't think anyone actually realises how terrifying it is to not know what you want because we place so much value on our jobs you know you meet someone what do you do I hate that question I'm like you could ask me anything else you could literally ask me where I grew up or when I last had a haircut like why do you have to ask (laughs) me what I do I I love talking about my job don't get me wrong but I think that we put so much I don't know emphasis on on that being our purpose and it's just not and I think you've you've just kind of hit the nail on the head there I found my purpose Mm. which I never thought was ever going to happen 
until all this happened. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's come at like quite a, a cost. You know, life as I knew it, it completely flipped 180. And it's, you know, it's still incredibly tough, like on certain days, but I've got my purpose now. Mm. Like, this is what like I'm here to do. And, you know, if it was all to kind of like end tomorrow, I know that I've kind of, I've made a bit of a difference. And I think, you know, I think that's what we should be kind of chasing, regardless of like of the money, like the nice holidays and stuff like that. It's the memories. You actually mentioned it on the episode that we recorded for Sykes in the City like a few weeks ago. You said about the importance of time. And it has been stuck with me ever since you said it because it's like, yeah, like we've got all these incredible things. Like you can go out and buy like these brand new cars, the houses, this, that, and the other. But is that actually what you want? Mm. You know, what I appreciate and what I love now is the time, the effort. You know, we've just lived through the probably the worst year ever. Like, mm. and I think it has. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm not actually quoting you here. Like, it's taught us the importance of time. Mm. and how much time and effort actually means to people. Mm. And that's what I want to get to my funeral and then be like, you know what? Yeah, he talked for England, but look at the photos, look at the memories, look what he's yeah. achieved. And I think yeah. that's that's what means more to me than I think than the, the flashy cars and the big houses and stuff. 100%. I can't, I can't remember yeah. what the question was now. <laughs> Neither, but I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> I tend to do that. I just say a statement and then hope that people just like run with it. So (laughs) thanks. That was great. (laughs) I was thinking though, what you said just made me think of um, resilience in terms of, you know, having to deal with so much. What do you think that is the one sort of lesson that you took away from that decade about, about yourself? Is to give myself time and patience and to Mm. trust the process Mm. because until all this kind of stuff happened with mom, I didn't realize how strong and resilient I actually was. And it was until like it's conversations like this and kind of where I'm put in a position where I have to, I have to look back. I'm having to like, it's quite thought provoking that I'm like, you did that like pretty much single-handedly like, and for that it's weird because I, I never used to really give myself a chance or like be happy or like have a sense of pride. Whereas now, like all I kind of feel like when I look back at that kind of whole period of time is an immense sense of pride. Mm. I was like, you know what? Yes, it was tough. There was days where, you know, you didn't think you were going to get through to the end of the day, but you're still here. You're Mm. still like fighting that fight. So yeah, anyone listens to this, trust the process because what's meant for you will not pass you by. Trust the process. I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) Well, on the topic of it being the worst year ever, it kind of wasn't because it also birthed one of the best podcasts ever, (laughs) The Waffle Shop. (laughs) No, The Waffle Shop. So that started back in what March 2020. What spurred that on? Four tequilas. (laughs) Four tequilas and a, a beach rental. Nice. That on. I've always listened to music. I've always, you know, been involved, not involved, but like I've always listened to like podcasts and like radio and stuff like that. And I've always felt like I was a creative person, mm. but I never allowed myself to be because of the situation that was in. And it got to a point where mum was in hospital with aspirated pneumonia and we were sat down in this little room again and they said, 
like there's nothing more we can do like she's not responding this that and the other um and I hit a wall and it was the first time I was just like I can't do this anymore like I can't I've got nowhere left to kind of turn and then my auntie was like right okay my mum got my mum got like a little bit better and she was able to leave hospital my auntie was like right we're going away for a few days and it was just a chance for me to completely kind of like offload and get the help that I really needed. And then in that process, I was like, I've got this idea of like, you know, like opening up and talking. I'd had four um, therapy sessions to kind of help me get through and like process what was going on. But then obviously the pandemic hit. So that all came to a stop. Then rather than kind of go back to the kind of on the waiting list, because I was incredibly lucky to get the therapist that I did. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start opening up. I'm going to just throw myself out there and see what happens. And again, like it's quite, um, it's not emotional, but it's quite overwhelming now when I do talk about it. It was the best thing I ever did because it's actually genuinely changed my life. Mm. All thanks to a bloody waffle. (laughs) (laughs) But it is, you're right. It's so cathartic, like that process of voicing. You know, when you voice all of your fears, or everything you're feeling, or even when you write it down and then you look at it and it's like, oh, actually, that feels okay now. You know, like now I see it and now it's out. It is cheaper than therapy. It's cheaper than therapy. So I advise everyone actually to start a podcast. (laughs) Do it because there is something Mm. so therapeutic about having this kind of chat. And Mm. I don't think, you know, I think anyone with a mental illness or a mental challenge, like, quite a lot of it stems back to, and I'm speaking from personal experience here, but like quite a lot of it is the feeling of like not being heard. Mm. So if you're giving someone like a platform or, you know, you're creating a platform for other people to kind of like talk about how they're feeling or like what winds them up, this and the other one, they're going to have a laugh. They're going to feel better. But for anyone who's listening to it, it kind of then gives them the confidence. It's like, well, yeah, if they're talking about it, why can't I talk about it? Mm. And then I just love how it's created this kind of like, ripple effect of like I've gone from feeling spending the majority of my 20s like quite lonely and even though like I've had I've got like an incredible group of friends but now from since like having opening up and like having a waffle with people is like I've got these new like friends Mm -hmm. like these new this new kind of level of support that I, I didn't know for one I didn't know that I needed but two I didn't know existed so it is I I Honestly, like I get, considering my job, I get lost for words when I talk about it because it blows me away how powerful just opening up and talking can actually be. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I definitely hear you on that. I wanted to ask you a um, maybe slightly controversial question stemmed from the fact that I was reading an article by a guy called Stephen Downs the other day and and the the title said are we talking too much about mental health now and obviously like it just pulled me in straight away because I was like oh this is interesting and I knew I was chatting to you today and the article basically goes on to talk about how everyone has a story about their mental health now you know every celebrity every person in the public eye articles littered everywhere with I hit rock bottom and he says the sheer relentlessness and saturation coverage regarding mental health could breed complacency, cynicism, and disinterest. Human nature causes us all to become fed up with the familiar. 
basically saying that we're talking about it so much that it could cause certain people to become disinterested in the topic and therefore shun it and not want to talk about it anymore. And I did understand what he was saying, um, but I wanted to get your opinion on that. Do you know what? This is actually really weird that we're having this conversation because I actually had a very similar conversation over lunch earlier. Oh, really? Not necessarily about this article, but about this kind of about this kind of topic, and in a way, I feel like I kind of agree mm. because I feel like it is such an important conversation to have. It is so important, and no one should ever feel like they can't talk about it. But we are in this kind of very narcissistic generation at the minute. Mm. So it's like, and you know, whether people mean to do it or not. It's those kind of people, like, if you've been to Tenerife, they've been to Elevenerife. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I mean, everyone has mental challenges, like, on various different levels, different, you know, no struggle should be not be spoken about. But I feel like as long as it's done in a way that is comfortable for po- both the person that is listening and talking, then go for it. But if you're giving someone an opportunity to kind of talk about how they're feeling, Mm. we're in this, again, in this kind of horrible generation that no one's kind of listening to take the information in. Mm. Everyone's just listening to kind of respond with, well, I've done this, like, Mm -hmm. oh, it could be worse. It's that side of things that when, especially when it comes to kind of like mental health and I'm, I'm not taking shots here, but there's a lot of kind of like mental health kind of like pages, especially like on Instagram and stuff that, I see that happening, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a tough one. Mm. It is a really, really difficult kind of topic because I don't kind of want to say the wrong thing because talking about these things is important. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. No, I know. I, I, I'm, I'm in the oh. boat with you. Honestly, it's, it's tricky. And I think, you know, we've spoken before about the difference between mental illness and mental health. And yes. the article goes on to sort of say, you know, just because you've had a bad day doesn't mean that you have depression. And I think where the conversation perhaps gets lost a little bit is like, you see so much being spoken about, but I don't think mental illness is necessarily spoken about enough. And you, and you can't compare, you know, someone who's battling with a bit of anxiety, you know, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Oh, I feel anxious today, but I don't let that then dictate, um, whether I stay in bed or not. Whereas yeah. someone with depression, they might not even have that thought process. It might not even be an option it's, it's, for them. It's really tricky. And I mm. think especially with the conversation being so open, you might, you know, someone's going to take it the wrong way. Like I remember mm. when I first started out the page and stuff and, you know, I didn't really know what anxiety was until everything happened. With my, I didn't know what a panic attack was until mm. like everything happened with my mom. But from that, I was... I have an anxiety disorder and I have post-traumatic stress. And it's something, these things are hard to come to terms with of like, why am I feeling this way anyway? But I remember I put out a post once that when I have like a, like an anxiety or a panic attack um, and things are really bad, like I describe it as kind of like stubbing my toe. And like, I get that kind of like sharp, like kind of like shock, like I'm in a minute, like I can't really move. I don't, I'm all kind of disorientated. But when like I start breathing and kind of like familiarize myself with like my surroundings, you know, and use like my various kind of coping mechanisms, 
I kind of bring myself around and kind of, I don't laugh about it, but I kind of like, oh, well, that was silly, wasn't it? That's what that is, yeah. And I remember posting about it and I had, it was probably like the younger generation now when I kind of looked at the accounts and stuff and they told me I was wrong. They were like, that is wrong. Like, that's not what a panic attack is. That's not this, that's not that. And at first I was like, oh my God, like I actually went to delete the post and really? then I actually, like, I reflected about it and I was like, well, actually, no, because that's what it feels like for me. Mm. So if we're trying to have this kind of really open conversation, like, that's how my anxiety disorder makes me feel when I have, you know, an attack. I can't, I can't allow someone to tell me that I'm wrong because then that just makes me feel like I can't talk about it. Yeah. So, but I feel like it is a little bit like by the book, like if you have a panic attack, this is what happens. But there are so many different elements that can happen, whether it's depression, whether it's, you know, ADHD, whether there's so many different like complex levels of, you know, mental challenges. And, you know, unless you're properly educating yourself with the actual kind of like from the doctors and, you know, the Mm -hmm. NHS or whatever it might be, rather than an Instagram page, I feel like that's what needs to kind of get better. Mm. Because until you're in that situation, like, honestly like it doesn't just because you've read a post on instagram does not qualify you to tell me that i'm wrong because that's what my anxiety disorder feels like yeah so i I kind of agree with it it's it's a very very gray area Mm, no no thank you for um yeah giving your opinion on it i just i couldn't wait to ask you because it is started a (laughs) (laughs) the comments on this being like you guys don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i mean we don't that's the thing only professionals do and whenever i talk about the subject i always prefix it with this thing saying i'm not an expert none of us are unless you're literally trained you know (laughs) in that field um so yeah um i just wanted to touch on before we move on to the game you went traveling at the end of your 20s i love talking to people about their travels but i think we're running a little bit out of time but what was your best travel story and why did you go um i think the the best one i ever did was bali like it was it was the first time that i allowed myself to kind of take a break from the situation that was happening to my mom i don't think i actually properly relaxed into the holiday till about seven days in Mm. But it was on that day we'd had what I can describe as the best day. I found my love of a lazy river. And there's a water park in Bali called, I think it's called Waterbomb. Um, and it has the best lazy river. And I must have spent about a good hour of the day just floating around on this kind of little kind of like dinghy thing. Oh. Rubber ring, sorry. But yeah, I, I obviously I know obviously the world's obviously a very messed up place at the minute, but... I'd advise anyone to do it because, you know, it's a chance to experience, to learn new things and just take a break, which I don't Mm. think, you know, we actually allow ourselves to do. Like we go on holiday to take photos, to post on Instagram. Like no one's actually there taking in like the fact that this is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yeah. I'm so guilty of that as well. And my job, I have like freelance, so I'll do a big stint of work and then I'll have like a week off and I can never just relax. Yeah, And it's the same on holiday, like you get the stress of going, you know, on a plane or going abroad and getting there and making sure everything's fine. I just get, I just can't relax. It's, it's tough because it's the thing that no one, I think when you 
when someone says like, oh, relax, you think of like a spa or like cucumbers. Yeah, cucumber your eyes. Like, like, so yeah. So. If you've got like an hour, like, oh, I'm just going to relax for a few, like a few minutes or whatever. Mm. No one knows how to do it. Mm. But this I is mean, only like, yeah. you need to find your, you need to find your thing. There is something incredibly beautiful about being bored that I think we take for granted. I love that. <laughs> you can oh that. my God, I love that. <laughs> There's something about being, Yeah boredom let's embrace it everyone's like everyone talks about boredom as if it's a bad thing if i want to sit and lie on my bed and stare at the wall for an hour that's um you know it doesn't mean i'm lazy yeah Yeah. it means that i needed that hour to sit on my bed and stare at the wall (laughs) i don't actually do that i'll probably (laughs) put my headphones in and listen to like a podcast or something but if that's what i want to do and that's my thing like yeah that's what meditation is isn't it yeah i'm Mm. bored it's like good embrace it Mm. because as soon as this world opens back up again everyone's going to feel this pressure that they need to be doing something again or seeing their friends or going to this place going to that place like embrace it Mm. be bored if you've got the time to be bored count your lucky stars (laughs) (laughs) cool we're going to move on to millennial mind sweeper now I don't know why I call it this because it started off just being quotes about millennials because I used to get so annoyed that there were so many articles out there basically just putting us all into this bracket and saying (laughs) stuff about us. But I've sort of, yeah, basically, (laughs) I sort of amalgamated it with some like quotes that I've read or um, from books and stuff. So um, basically, I'm just going to read it out and you've got to tell me whether you agree with it firstly and um, then sort of your thoughts. Sound good? Okay. I've got slightly sweaty now because there's a lot of pressure, but let's go. There'll be no judgment here. Right. <clears throat> so our first one. On the surface, we please... Oh, I have fucked it up, haven't I? <laughs> I'll start again. Strong start. <laughs> strong. So strong. On the surface, we please to make other people happy. Underneath, we please to get something in return. And that was by Emma Reed Terrell from Please Yourself, which is a book I'm reading at the moment. I, I think I'd agree. Yeah. I she goes on. If anyone like means to like, means to be like that or not, it's like mm. I kind of like go back to this kind of like narcissistic generation. Like, yeah, I, I can do that for you, but what are you going to do for me? Mm. It's, yeah, it's it's quite thought-provoking yeah well the book itself is really good i'd recommend it um it's called please yourself and it talks about people pleasing and how there are loads of different types of people pleasers and she actually goes on to say that it isn't about you know people pleasing isn't about being nice it's about organizing the reactions of others to be something we can cope with and that was really interesting i thought because whenever i do say for example you're you don't want to meet up with someone because you're really tired and whatever, but yeah. you go to meet up with them because you're a people pleaser and you want to please them. That's not necessarily because you're being nice. It's just that you can't handle what they might react with if you yes. reject them. Um, which I thought was really interesting. That's such an interesting topic. Mm. That is. I, like I mean, that. I can't take any credit for saying that. It's all her, so go read the book. Yes. But I'm just <laughs> paraphrasing. <laughs> um, cool. So our second one, this is a millennial one. <clears throat> so millennials believe in the value of political engagement and are convinced the government can be a powerful source for good. 
you know what? I think I'd agree with that one as well because I, I think the younger generation, it's I think it's their voice that's going to change things, and mm. like you've seen it already, like especially over the past year with the whole kind of like Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. It was really like the younger generation. Like I felt, I felt like only from seeing it. So obviously, this is just like personal opinion, but like really pushing that to the front of every conversation, kind mm. of everything. And I was like, it's it's really intimidating, but in a good way because mm. I feel like if there is going to be change to be had, it will be the younger generation and their voices. Because I feel like mm. for the first time in a very long time, they're being listened to. Yeah, I I definitely agree. My only stipulation with that quote was the end of it where it says convinced the government can be a powerful source for good because I, I mean, only in my sort of close cohort of friends and online, to be fair, I've seen that I don't think that people place any value on the government i agree that they're rallying for social change yeah but that's got nothing to do with to do with the government <laughs> yeah and when i read that i was like that's not true that's not yeah. true we don't have faith in our government that's why we rally and you know push forward things and use the social media platforms because that's where other people like us are engaged it's not in yeah. fucking tory land or parliament you know um so i'll be intrigued to see what happens in 50 years time whether that i mean obviously we're always going to have a government but i think it will be a very different it's exciting though in a way because mm. i don't think it can get much worse so <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> I'm not here like taking shots or anything, but <laughs> someone please help this guy out <laughs> and brush his hair. <laughs> In that order, or brush the hair yes. first, maybe. <laughs> um, our final one, you're going to love this one. I literally picked it for you. Um, what's the best thing you've learned about storms that they end? Yeah. And that's you know what, Charlie Maxi. Really beautiful. And there's the this is gonna sound so cheesy, but there's a song lyric and I think it was Sia and the song's called Alive. But you know when you just hear a song and it's like you resonate with it straight away. And the the lyric is something like, I was born in a thunderstorm. And I can't remember the next bit, but it's just basically about being alive and surviving and stuff like that. And I think, mm. yeah. It is the beautiful thing about the storm. Like, you know, the, the storms need to happen for like things to grow, things to change, but they don't last forever. Mm. So I'm a massive fan of that one. Mm. I love a good metaphor. Yeah. You could go all day with that, couldn't you? Oh, like, the plants have got to grow, the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally here for it. I love a good quote. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on. I could literally talk My to you pleasure. all day. <laughs> We need a round two. We need we'll, like we, for a round three. That's what we need to do. Okay, the third one. A oh, yeah, third round three. <laughs> People are going to get it's sick of hearing pressure. us. Oh, I'm so I'm so happy you could be here, and um, I can't wait for more episodes on Waffle Shop. Thank you. <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> of yours, not the Waffle Shop. Then. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, then hit subscribe to be the first to get notified of new episodes dropping every Wednesday. A big shout out to our composer and producer, Pete Haff, and a huge thank you to you guys at home for listening. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or reach out on Instagram at 20 something. It's lovely hearing your thoughts on the episode and who you guys are keen to hear from in future. 
with that in mind we'll be back next week with another brilliant guest so stay tuned 